What's up, everyone? Happy Monday. Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, brought to you, as always, by SorrySports.com. Sean and I led off today with some NFL news just because we felt it was necessary. We talked about the Kareem Hunt situation and the NFL situation overall for about 25 minutes. Then we went into our normal Monday rundown, which is college football first. The playoff is set. Sean and I went over that for a good amount of time. Then we broke down the NBA Eastern Conference, Western Conference, talked early MVP, and then we talked about our local teams as well. After that, we jumped in and talked about college basketball, broke down the top 25, talked more about the top 10, of course. And then we talked about the MLB. This was a huge week for the MLB. A lot of trades going down right before the winter meeting. So Sean and I talked about that. Of course, we talked about the Yankees' implications as well. So enjoy this one. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. Follow us on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the site, SorrySports.com, and shoot us an email if you have any questions or concerns. SorrySports at Yahoo.com, and enjoy the pod. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. All righty, everybody. We're back. It's the Sorry to Interrupt podcast here for our Monday rundown on the first Monday of December. Tom, what's up, man? How are you? What's going on, man? Happy holidays, I guess. Everybody seems to be in the spirit. Everybody's, after Thanksgiving, getting ready for uh, getting ready for the holidays, for the sure. Happy New Year's already. Yeah, oh, God. We're hearing I mean, that till April. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to avoid those people at all costs. Um, but So we have our regular Monday mon- rundown, but unfortunately, uh, Tom and I both decided that we have to start this conversation and our podcast today talking about Kareem Hunt. Uh, obviously, you know, it's not our NFL pod, but this ha- this story ha- is monumental. It means a tremendous amount, and we have to give it its due, uh, obviously, for all the wrong reasons. Now, last week, obviously, you heard my rant on our podcast about the situation with Reuben Foster, and I'm not going to scream and yell about it again. Uh, everybody knows my feelings on it. Uh, this was worse because of a video. Uh, I felt like this was Ray Rice 2.0. Tom, how about you? Yeah, it, it literally mirrors Ray Rice. It shouldn't be the case that it's worse because of a video, but that is the case. Um, I mean, you got a guy on the team, Tyree Kill, who abuses his girlfriend, and he lucks out, one, because it happened before the NFL draft, and two, because there wasn't a video. Right. And that's the only reason why Kareem Hunt doesn't have a job today. I mean, the guy was Rookie of the Year last year, over 1,000 yards rushing. By all accounts, he's one of the best running backs in football, and he will be on a team probably next year. I would assume. Yeah, yeah, I would um, think so. Remember with Ray Rice, he was towards the twilight of his career. The only reason why he didn't have a job was because it wasn't worth it right? Um, for a team, and I don't think that's the case with Kareem Hunt. And again, you know, it's tough, and we'll get into it, but it's like if if I, the Giants wouldn't pick him up because they have Shake, my guy. But You're the only one that still calls him Shake, by Yes, it's Yes, that nickname that's... will stick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if the Jets picked him up, it's super conflicting. You know, I thought about that the whole weekend. It's like, this guy's a piece of shit, clearly. I, I mean, mean, you're not going to have to proof. pay him anything. Whoever signs him no, won't have to pay him anything. But am I still going to watch the Jets? And when he scores a touchdown, am I still going to be happy because the Jets paid nothing instead of going out and getting Le'Veon Bell and getting a younger, better player at this point in his career? Of course. It's just, it's it's so hard. But to get back into the morality of it and the, and the human side what he did was wrong, but I think that you would want to look at it more from the NFL side because, again, the NFL continues to fuck up. I mean, 
the fact that TMZ can get these ta- their hands on these tapes and the NFL doesn't even get wind of it. They don't even investigate it. The they Chiefs, interviewed him. No, the Chiefs they, interviewed him. Yeah, the him Chiefs interviewed him. The NFL, the NFL did not. didn't do anything, and the NFL claims that they tried to reach out to the girl and she didn't want to talk. I don't believe if that If I was for part a of a situation like this, maybe I wouldn't want to talk either, but again... You're one of the biggest organizations in the country. You have more money world, than God Himself, and again, you still don't do your due diligence. If if you look at a at a major Fortune 500 company, let's say Facebook or something, if something like this surfaced, I think that even if it was anyone aside from Zuckerberg himself, the guy gets canned immediately. Yeah, no doubt, uh, and and, it, and stocks would plummet. Yep. and I mean, we saw what happened to Tesla when Elon Musk just you know. Hit a, took a hit of a joint and had a glass of whiskey on the Joe Rogan podcast. So Yeah, the, that seems like it's worse than this, which is just absolutely terrible, but it's the world we live in. But again, looking back at the NFL, you didn't learn a fucking lesson with Greg Hardy. You didn't learn a lesson with Ray Rice, especially Ray Rice, because this is the exact same thing. I, I just don't understand it. And, and Goodell is a, it seemed all by all accounts just a bad person, and he doesn't give a shit about any of us. He only cares about the sponsors and the owners. You just hit the nail on the head. When you said they didn't learn their lesson, it's because they didn't care at the first place and they don't care now. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not something that they put a premium on. Um, obviously, this has been an epidemic that has gone on um, in the league for a long time, and, and it's rancid. And it, it, what's really disheartening about it, and, uh, you know, a podcast that we both listen to by somebody we, we very much enjoy and respect is, is Bill Simmons, and he made a great point on I his think everyone podcast to podcasts when he said, him. yeah, and he said, you know, like, the, the NFL really makes you feel guilty about liking it. And I yeah. don't think he could have said that better. I, I feel... A hundred percent. I mean, after I made my my speech last week, you know, you're talking. You're we said what was the most important thing we said. We're gonna still watch the games. We're still gonna talk about the games. We're gonna gamble on the games. We're gonna bet on the games. We're gonna enjoy the games. And it's Sunday, and it's an event, which is as long as that doesn't change. That's all that Goodell yep. and the owners care about. And seeing, you know, these horrific, terrible situations. And, of course, the video makes everything worse because it's visible. You don't have to imagine it. It's right in front of your eyes. Yeah, and you know it's true. That's what it does is it puts the truth right in your eyes, and it's undeniable at that point where if there's no video, you you can at least kind of say in your brain maybe it wasn't that bad or whatever. Uh, no, or it these was, guys can. Yeah. It was that bad. And, yeah, it's tough. When, when, when I'm watching an amazing game between the Chargers – and the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night to cap off yesterday's games of football that I watch, I shouldn't feel like I'm watching an ISIS propaganda video, as I right. said to my uncle earlier. That's I shouldn't good... feel like I'm watching, you know, hardcore porn or or something like that. Like, And honestly, you sit back and you think about it, and it's like, again, I'm still going to watch football. I'm still going to play fantasy. That's I'm all they care about, I'm still going to gamble. Man. I'm still going to do fanball. Exactly. Because once Pepsi jumps ship or once ESPN starts going back at Goodell like they did with the concussion thing where they were leading it, right. although they've been quiet since because I think they're in cahoots with the guy, I don't think that's a bad no, I think move for them when it comes yeah, monetarily. I don't think it's cahoots. I think they're trying to win him back after yeah. that. Um, I, I just think that who what, we're still going to watch, and it do, they're not going to be impacted until they start losing money. So it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's terrible to say, but it's the truth. Of course it is, and, and you're not wrong, and everybody listening knows that that's the case. And, you know, when you look at it from, from a league standpoint is they're, they have more money, like you said, than God. And the fact that Goodell 
doesn't say anything about this. You know, we we praise Adam Silver because his first month on the job basically got rid of Donald Sterling, banned him for life, and said you have no place in the game, and anybody like this has no place in the game. And then you have Rob Manfred, who's a pretty pro- progressive ma- uh, commissioner in baseball, well, yeah, and, you and hear- has set up his new. You know, uh, domestic violence. You look at Chapman. There was no video on him firing off a gun in his garage, but he was immediately, and, the second that came out, suspended for 60 that, games or whatever. Yeah, he got 30, and but a lot of guys, you know, depending on the severity, Jose Reyes got almost, a, I think he got a year. Osuna? Yep. So, well, and we so. talked about that when he was and signed. And they didn't need to see a tape to do any of that. No, and, and that's the thing is it... it it's not up for debate. You're done. You're, you serve your punishment, which for any crime, I do believe you have a chance to come back. And, yep. you know, Chapman put us in a precarious situation as Yankee fans because we had to root for him to get saves. Do I root for him personally? Would I get an Aroldis Chapman jersey? No. But I'm still going to root for him and, and buy tickets and, and hope that he's on the mound when the Yankees win but because that's his job. They didn't just give Chapman the benefit of the doubt like the Chiefs and like the NFL did with Kareem Hunt where he they interviewed him and he said it wasn't that bad and then they wiped their hands of it and said it was fine. No, he served his time. Right. He did what he had because to it's, do. Because Community it's, service, whatever because they Because the whatever Yankees didn't handle it. Major League Baseball handled it. Exactly. And this is the thing. The NFL has to handle it. They have to get – like what, I, what I'm amazed by is the lack of – compassion the lack of caring i mean there is goodell is nowhere to be seen i mean you know hunt's going on espn and and he made himself look even worse in my opinion based off of that interview he didn't do anything to help himself and goodell's not that was rough goodell's not saying you know get you're not allowed to talk you're you know you were released and we're gonna put a ban on you or you know a suspension on you indefinitely where you're not allowed to talk to any media outlet you're no longer associated with the nfl until we tell you otherwise and i know he hasn't been i know he hasn't been you know suspended indefinitely or whatever but again colin kaepernick well he was put on the exempt list he was yeah but there you know he's going through that collusion case right now because he's trying to prove that all owners basically said we're not touching this guy when in reality you know he's the owners are trying to play like no we just don't we don't want to sign him because of football i'm talking about um uh kareem oh kareem hunt yeah of course he was suspended indefinitely and put on the commissioner's exempt list but that didn't happen until Friday, I believe, maybe Saturday. Well, this and happened. This fri- happened in it, February. It came out right. It came out Friday. The event. Yes, of course. Yeah, the event took place in February in a Cleveland hotel. I think the craziest thing too, dude, and and this makes the NFL look even worse, was that Thursday night game between the Cowboys and Saints had the highest rated Thursday night game of any Thursday night game that's been played since its inception back in like 2006 or 2007, and the not even 24 hours later, this breaks. And it just puts a cloud over everything. And you feel so like dirty loving and watching football. You know, I'm watching the Giants yesterday and the entire time they're talking about Kareem Hunt. And rightfully so, it's a huge story. Yeah. Obviously we're leading our Monday rundown non NFL podcast with it, but this is a human thing, man. You don't do shit like that. And I know his story was that she was calling him names. And of course, listen, you're going to get fired up. That's not right. Especially if it was, you know, racial slurs, but you never put your hands on a woman. You don't do it. Yeah. It just, that is not a, I'm better than you. This is not a anything like I think I'm entitled to do what I want. I'll get away with it. No, that's a moral compass that every man should have. You don't do it no matter what they're doing. Walk away. Yeah. Nothing good is going to come of this. And we're all apt to get mad at people, whether it be a man or a woman. But in some situations, you know, you just have to walk away and cool off and let it be. You're in the NFL and she would never have been heard of and never heard from ever 
so and you just away. jeopardize your almost. You could have jeopardized your career and and wipe your hands of it. But I want to look at this more from the NFL side because we know you know how we stand on the domestic violence and everything. But you look at your commissioner, you look at your president, you look at all these people to be leaders. And in 2018, <laughs> where there is women's rights movements and they are taking knees, and I support all those movements. Where as do I not just women's empowerment or black or, or any race, just empowerment of people individually. Everybody yeah. deserves to have equal rights. Let's it's not just, go 50 years behind. Please. Exactly. And that's just what it feels like at this point with the climate of the country, as well as the NFL is kind of a microcosm of it. And, and you expect these guys, you see Manfred leading them forward with NBA having women in it, uh, women coaches. Well, you're with talking Becky about Hammond. Silver there, yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah. Silver. My, I, I'm sorry about that. A- and you have him talking about gambling and leading. E- that's much smaller and not as big of a deal. No, but, but it's progressing. Progressing things forward instead of and going backwards. And you can backwards. tell it's meant And out the NFL of- is on the other side. They don't want to talk about gambling. Who fuck? I mean, really, in the grand scheme, who cares? But I'm just saying as right. a progression. They, they don't have, there's no woman to be seen You anywhere. just had the Redskins cheerleaders case that came out last year where yeah. they were, you know, terribly underpaid and their lives were made, you know, miserable. Oh, well, not to mention the Carolina Panthers thing where their owner was a sick fuck who eventually was forced to sell the team for close to $2 billion because he was just being a, a disgusting human being towards women and, yeah, and other course. people. Um, and he still has a statue outside of the stadium. And it, it just... Like, uh, ex- perfect example. You said um, Adam Silver with Donald Sterling. The guy was basically embarrassed and, and thrown out of league and told you can never come back. You have a situation somewhat similar with the NFL and the owner of the Panthers. Not only did the, was the guy forced to sell the team and he probably made a massive profit on it, but he was honored and he still has a statue outside of the stadium. Yeah. And, and you know, to cap this off, it's just, honestly, it's not that hard. It's not that hard to be a good person. And even if deep down you're not a good person, which I feel like a lot of these people in the NCAA and for Goodell and everybody else, they're not, think about the money then. Just right. think about the money. How are we going to progress and make more money? Pretend like we're good people then. At least give me a front. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you know, you can tell with Adam Silver when you mentioned, you know, the Becky Hamlin and, and, you know, Sue Bird got most recently a a job with the Nuggets. And it's not done out of a charity case. This is absolutely not like, let us extend, we're going to force this. No, they want to bring the best basketball minds into their league. And it doesn't matter whether they're male, female, gay, straight. They want to bring people in who are going to contribute positively to the future of their league. And the NFL, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the owner of the Panthers who also most recently passed away after his statue and after he sold the team. There is that kind of quote unquote plant. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the guy from the Texans passed away. No, no. The guy from the from the Panthers had died earlier this year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So not McNair. McNair had passed most recently, but the, the Panthers owner, uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh, he had passed away earlier in the season. But regardless... We use we have heard this term and it definitely I think serves value is there is a quote unquote plantation kind of feel towards the players by the owners and the commissioner of the National Football League because they know I mean they look at it from two sides right they look at us saying yeah they're still gonna watch they're still gonna buy tickets they're still gonna buy this and the players are still gonna play yep and until that changes. They can do whatever they want. I mean, they're they the owners clearly look at players as property. 
players think that they have this entitlement because they know they're not going to be penalized to the highest extent that they should be because there's an owner that doesn't care and they need their stars on the field. And if they're going to go off and, 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 you know, do things like this, yeah, they'll get negative publicity and, and it'll be a bad story for a bit, but they know if their talent wins out, there's going to be a, an owner that says, I don't really, I don't really care. You know, Ruben Foster was out of a job for two days and he's, there's not even a guarantee that he can play. But some the Redskins had to sign him because it just you had to have somebody who's a who's a linebacker with talent because apparently that matters so much on a team with six wins, and it's it's amazing it, it's absolutely and amazing. And Kareem Hunt will be on a team next season. Oh yeah, 100, and you know what? Even if he's suspended for the year, somebody will sign him because the, he's young enough in his playing career where he'll come back and he's going to you know somebody'll pay him nothing and say it's worth the risk and again that's the thing if you're talented if you have a skill set that you know 0.5% of the human population has if that you're going to get an opportunity to play and because he's going to come back and he's going to do great and you know the fantasy owners are going to be really happy with what he's doing because that's a priority and it's it's absolutely sickening it's absolutely disgusting I feel so bad that after what we talked about last week with Reuben Foster that I saw this happen. I said, you know what? We're going to have to talk about this again. And me screaming and yelling about it, you screaming and yelling about it. It's not going to change a freaking thing, man. And it really sucks. And, you, you know, like, you just want our leaders, as you said, whether it's the president of the United States, whether it's the commissioner of a, of a you know, multi-billion dollar company like the NFL, you just want them to have some moral compass or at least the ability to fake compassion. Yeah. You can genuinely care. You see that he doesn't care. Yeah, just fake it. And, and I mean, I know Goodell's flying below the radar and they give him those cookie cutter questions on those bullshit interviews. Yeah, because he, he scripts those. Of course, absolutely. But it's just like in 2018 with all the technology and all the progression that we see in other fields and other things, it just it's terrible to see that these big institutions such as the NFL or even the country we seem to be dividing as opposed to uniting Think, which is just terrible. No, it's it's awful and, and you know to to cap it off I mean you've seen some of the sports stories that started with January of last year into this year you had the Larry Nasser Michigan State thing that seemed throughout the summer to get even worse. Player on uh, That Mar- doesn't get much worse yeah, than that. Yeah, pl- player on Maryland, you know, dying on the hands on a football field. Uh, you know, student athlete that goes over, you know, parents send him away to college and he never comes back. You've got the Ohio State situation with Urban Meyer. You want to talk about a guy that didn't care. Look at those press conferences. I mean, yeah. that guy didn't care. We we said our piece. Now you go into all of this with Reuben Foster. And I'm sure I'm missing things in between. And now Kareem Hunt. I, it's unbelievable. Like for all the good things that we try to celebrate with awards, like the SBs, and of course, sports does demonstrate some wonderful stories of humanitarian, you know, acts and 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 courage and, and inclusion. It's almost like those things just don't matter because the other end, the opposite side of the coin, is so horrific, so disgusting, and just puts you in a bad mood that you can't even enjoy the good. And it's like, you know, do we want to see our teams win? We do a sports podcast, man. Of course we do. Yep. We we talk about these things like they're the like they're, you know, the biggest thing in the world and we scream and yell and rant and and disagree and 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 agree and make takes and at the end of the day it doesn't matter. There's a woman that got beaten down 
and thrown into an elevator four years ago, and then now you have this, and you have women being... Not to mention all the other things in between. Yeah, and you have, you know, the U.S. gymnastics team and Michigan State gymnastics, on and on and on and on. This is not a political thing. This is a human rights thing, and that's how I feel about, in a lot of cases, with the country right now. We're talking about women's rights in 2018, 100 years after they were allowed to vote. Are you fucking kidding me? What is this, 1941? This yeah. is 2018. We shouldn't have to have these kind of votes. Women's, gay, whatever. Yeah, it, it's LGBT. Un- yeah. You talk about black rights but, and yeah, every anything. Race, so. You see what's going on at the border with tear gas. I mean, it's just like, you know, the family, kids separated from their parents. You know, the parents go to find their kids. They The kids don't know who their parents are because they were separated for so long, basically thrown into these quote unquote camps. It's amazing. And it's and we're not asking for people to agree with us politically. Obviously, you can tell which way we lean. That's not the point. Please just look in in some ways of what is right or wrong. Throw yeah. everything else aside. Just what is right or wrong. And can we please just agree that everything going on right now is really sick and fucked up. And we just want to talk sports. And unfortunately, it's you like can we can't sometimes. even get through a month with without something like this. Yeah, it's terrible. And probably the worst part of it all is, are you going to watch Cowboys-Eagles this week? Are you going to watch of course. Ravens-Chiefs? I'm going to watch the Giants watch? on Sunday. Even the Thursday night game, Jaguars and fucking whoever. Are you going to watch it even though it's going to be garbage? We're gonna Hot t- garbage? And on Wednesday, yeah. we're going to talk and we're going to do our And our I bets. went 0-4 in my picks and we're going to cry about that. And there's a lot bigger things out there. Yeah. It's great that we could talk sports, but again. We just want everybody to know. I know that we've been very demonstrative and very, very uh, impassioned by this, but I hope everybody knows that we understand perspective and we understand what we're getting into with doing something like this. Unfortunately, sports interjects with real world problems. Real world problems is domestic abuse. Real world problems are compassion for, you know, people trying to take stands to do the right thing to better their communities. Sports is just, you know, sometimes uses an intermediary. We love it. We care about it. It's fun. It's not the Bible. Life is bigger than this. And, as we're going to segue into talking college football, NBA, Major League Baseball news, get riled up, have some fun. Just please know how we feel. And uh, I think Tom said it perfectly before. This is just not the right thing, man. And, and Kareem Hunt, you know, just another in the long line of, of bad sports stories. Yeah. And just to cap it off, I mean, of course, I'm, I don't know him personally, but I'm, I'm upset with what Kareem Hunt did. But whatever sentence he gets legally and whatever sentence he gets from the NFL when he serves it, rehabilitates himself and doesn't commit another crime. Absolutely. He should be able to play again because that's the way the justice system works. Yep. I'm more upset with the NFL and you're always going to be upset with the NFL seemingly until they get another, until Roger Goodell's uh, tenure ends, which doesn't seem like anytime soon, they're going to send him again. I bet you a million bucks on it, but it's just more upsetting with them than it even is Kareem Hunt. Yeah, I mean, Michael Vick, with what he did, was one of the most atrocious things you could think of, and he served his time in jail and, and paid his debt to society, came back, and he was a model citizen and has been. And that's what, you know, I'm not trying to applaud people for doing that, but there is a difference between people that just don't get it and the people that do. And you hope that he can learn from this, and, and you hope that, you know, he gets the suspension and the punishment he deserves. And if he comes back and he's better and he's, 
you know, staying out of trouble and maybe he's donating to some causes or maybe he's helping out at, you know, a women's shelter for, you know, domestic violence survivors. That would be great too. Um, but either way, you know, just a sad thing that we have to lead off with. Yeah, absolutely. I think we pretty much put a bow on it there. We're about 23 minutes in. So I think, uh, we can unfortunately move on to sports again. Some things are bigger, but this is a sports podcast, and we're lucky we could. And talk now, guys, about it. I hope you can enjoy what we're going to talk about now. All right, so let's move on to NCAA football. We were we predicted as most did. Everything went status quo, and the final four is set. Alabama versus number one Alabama. Congrats, Sean. I'm really happy for you. <laughs> Against number <laughs> four so Oklahoma, that's going to be probably 14 point spread. It's already. I think it's already 17. Ooh, okay. Uh, and then you have number two, Clemson, against number three, Notre Dame. I think this is 14. 14-point 14 spread there. Two NFL teams versus two college football teams, if you ask me. <laughs> I think you could figure out which are which. Um, first things first, do you think it was right? So I think so. It's a loaded question because even though it was put simply, I mean, it, it's there's a lot of layers to it. I think when you look at what was the job of the committee, and we'll talk about this in March too with college basketball, what's the role of the committee to pick the four best teams, right? If you pick the, if that is your overarching goal, you fell short. Yeah, you can't tell me that Georgia is not one of the top four teams in the country. If they Georgia had plays, Bama beat for fifty nine minutes, if Georgia plays Oklahoma or Georgia plays Notre Dame on a neutral field, the spread is seven points. Oh, I think it's more than that, but you're right. I mean, your your point is made for sure. I, I don't disagree with you. Minus seven, Georgia on both. Yeah, those. Georgia Georgia would kill them. I, I don't think those games would be close the way that their defense is and the way that Fromm's been playing. I mean, and Swift, what he did running the ball against that, that Alabama defense was Quite something honestly, special. Quite honestly, Georgia should have won that game. Oh, yeah. Period. I mean, they, they how, took the ball out of Fromm's hands. I didn't understand yeah. that. How snakebitten have they been in this calendar year on that field against Alabama? Yeah. I mean, they they had them beat twice in the for the national title in January, and now What's for the SEC coach's title. Name? Is it Kirby, Kirby Smart? Smart? Oh, look at me! Um, I just think Saban's got his number. Saban's got a lot of guys' numbers. Well, the tough Saban's thing, got his number. yeah. I mean, Smart has is a Georgia alum, and he he turned down a lot of a lot of jobs so that he could take that job when Mark Richt left, and he stayed on Saban's staff for a long time and helped build that dynasty. And he's fared much better against Saban than anybody else has who's come from Saban's uh, coaching tree. But it's just they can't close it out. And what a reversal in uh, in fortune. You know, last year Tua coming in, relieving Jalen down 14 at the half. I was happy for the kids. And now Jalen coming in and, and doing the same after Tua got hurt. You got to feel great for him because think of, you know, Kelly Bryant leaves – Clemson because he's not getting the playing time and I don't blame him for that. Full support there. Yeah, fully support the NCAA. But, if you oh yeah, do big time. You want, but, for you. but that's the thing is he Jalen said nothing's bigger than this team and you can see you know Tua loves him and Jalen loves Tua and I don't know how many coaches would be able to keep that together because that's a tough thing to do when both I mean Jalen was twenty nine and two as a starter but getting back to your question I don't think they got it right if you're judging the top four teams because Georgia deserves to be in. But if you're playing the politics... If you're using the word best, absolutely not. But if you're using the word qualified... Right, and if you're using the politics of top college football 
there's no way you can put a two-loss Georgia team in I think if over you put, a one-loss Oklahoma or Ohio State team that put, won their conference. If you put Georgia in there, let's say Georgia got the four on ESPN at noon on Sunday, it went across the screen. I think people there, there would be hell to there pay. would be there would be raids. Oh yeah, there would be. And I think anarchy. they made the right call with Oklahoma. You know, they they handed Texas a pretty sound loss uh, for the Big Twelve game, and you know they avenged that that one the only blemish on their record from an October loss. Yeah, and if you listen to the experts who were breaking it down, they were echoing the same things that you and I were. Where um, that's because we're brilliant. The the Texas the Texas loss is basically neutral because. They, yeah, they cancel each other they out. They cancel each other out. And, and Texas is going to finish as a top 25 team. And, and and Ohio State has a much worse loss than, I guess, um, what's it, uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma, and that loss uh, far outweighed in Oklahoma's favor, even their win against West Virginia and even um, the win against Michigan for yeah. Ohio State. Yeah. So I think they got, when it comes to the way this is set up and, and the rules that they lay down, which is, all the stats, but then basically the record and your wins. I think they got it right in that. Scenario. Yeah, if you're gonna have to, you're gonna have. This was the only call they had, and like you said, there would have been raids if, if they had picked Georgia. And and I'm glad that they went with Oklahoma because that was the right move. And you know, for all the Big Ten criers and and supporters, and especially Ohio State fans, you can't. We said it on our pod a couple of times. You cannot lose to Purdue by 30 points. Just like last year, you can't lose to Iowa by no. 29 points. That was a, if that was a field goal loss, I think Ohio State's probably in. But again, you Purdue's lost. Purdue's not even going to finish in the top 30. Yeah, the, they didn't have a good year. No, and Ohio State had a terrible game, and and they deserve to be out. And um, the other thing too is, I want to get your take on this. I know Michigan was ranked fourth, and I you made a good point. You know, you put it in simple terms, but I think it rang you know pretty true. Was when you said, "Listen, I can only go based off of what that team was ranked when they played them," and, and, and Michigan was ranked fourth. But Michigan's Michigan's not a great team. Like yeah, the only o- real game that they had played prior to Ohio State was Notre Dame, and they lost. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Notre I guess Dame you could throw too. Michigan State in there or whatnot, and, and Notre, and again, I mean, Ohio State. I, I take it all. What TCU was ranked fifteenth, eleventh, something like I that think when, when they, they played, played them. them. Yeah, again, they finished so outside they beat, the top twenty-five. They beat the eleventh team in the country in my book. You, I, I think you have to look at it like that. But again, like TCU finished out of the top twenty-five. They they weren't what we thought they were at the beginning of the season. So you kind of got to let these things unfold. Right. Going against exactly what I said, but you're right. Michigan didn't well, really play I think you have to look anybody. at both. I think you have to look at both because, you know, Alabama scheduled, you know, Florida Florida State last year when Florida State was ranked third heading into the season. And Florida State didn't even finish inside the top 25. As a matter of fact, they had a terrible record as they did again this year. But they were ranked three at the time. Now, at the end of the year, if Bama had lost to another team and Auburn, I didn't think Bama should have been in. And yeah. I think you could have made a case last year that Bama shouldn't have been in. Simply just because even though they dominated their conference, Florida State, if that's your only signature win before the LSU game that wasn't, you know, anything spectacular, you didn't you didn't even play in your conference tournament championship game last year. If I would have thought it was ridiculous if they didn't get in, just simply because off of their overall body of work. But if and you're, you're gonna an Alabama fan. No, no, but if you're a little gonna, jaded. No, but if you're going to base it off of that, you know, Florida State, I don't care if they were ranked third when you played them. They didn't even finish in the top 25. That's why I'm looking at Michigan. I'm like, I really, or TCU rather. 
that win might have looked really good in September. There was a lot of football played after that, and TCU showed that they're not a very good team. Yeah. And, and I look at Notre Dame, too, and, you know, to talk about how we can maybe fix this thing, TC, or uh, Notre Dame, I know that we just kept saying, yeah, they're handling business, they're handling business, they're winning. I know they ended up beat. Michigan looked better because Michigan was on a roll, and it's Michigan. They're going to move up the ranks. I mean, they didn't have a game where I was like, oh, my God, they just beat so-and-so. You know, Syracuse might have been the next best team they played. Northwestern, who had a really down year, even though they made the Big Ten championship game, they got waxed by Ohio State. I don't know what great games Notre Dame played. Well, that honestly, man, goes I mean, back to the again, point that though, there's... They, they have to be in. Yeah, and, and that just goes back to the point that there's two NFL teams in the in the college football and they should just be put Clemson and Alabama in a different category talent wise coaching wise everything up and down the roster and then you have the other two that they're going to beat up on like they do every year right and this is how I look at Clemson and Alabama just to feed off of your point is see I think if you could put Clemson in the Big Ten they would stomp in the Big Ten I think if you put Clemson in the Big 12 I think they would stomp in the Big 12 they would obviously dominate the Pac-12 as they did in the ACC. I don't look at them being a product of a bad ACC. No, they're not a great at all. team. No, not and at all. I feel all. the and same with Alabama. I think if you put them in the SEC, they're the second best team yeah, in the SEC, exactly. and they beat Georgia. Yep, and I think if you put you know Bama in any of the other conferences too, they Clearly. do the same thing. Absolutely, so, yeah. But when I look at Notre Dame, and I look at, you know, it's like if I if you were playing in a conference. If you put Notre Dame in the SEC, they're probably the fifth, fourth or yeah, fifth best team. If you're team. even playing in the Big Ten. If I, you put I Oklahoma know. in the SEC, they're probably the fourth or fifth best team. Team. Right. They're and probably they're second in the ACC. Yeah. They're probably, you know, towards the middle of the Big Ten. But you can't look at it but like you that. But you can't. You play in the conference you play in, and if the rest of the competition sucks, there's nothing you can do other than win. Now, the way that I would solve this, and you hit you hit on this earlier in the year when we were, I think when the first rankings came out, you have to do an eight-team playoff, and here's, and here's how you do it. You take the five at-large bids. You take you put import on the on the conference champion because last year the conference champion of the SEC was Georgia, but only because they beat Auburn. Alabama didn't even play in it, and under that rule, they should get an at, they should be eligible for an at-large, but they shouldn't be a de facto in. So what you would do is if you play in a conference championship game and you win that conference championship game, you're in. You're in. Just like there's the your, tournament. There's your five. Then you get two other at-large bids. If you want a Notre Dame who is an independent and undefeated and played some pretty good quality competition, I don't think it was great, but you know enough enough wins and and that you ha- and finished undefeated, you put them in. And then you take the next best team, which would be Georgia. If you look up and down the Big 12, there's not another team outside the conference winner. If you look in the Big 10, there's not another team outside the conference winner. If you look outside the Pac-12, there definitely isn't. And then you say, okay, definitely UCF. not in the ACC either. You there's there's Georgia, there's your seven. Well, you said Georgia and, already. No, so. that's what I'm saying. So there's your because you're looking at it now. There's your second at large, and then the and then UCF, UCF yep. who and plays there, in the American, yep. plays enough top twenty five teams. You know, they played Cincinnati, they played Memphis. Not very good competition, but again, you play in the conference you have in an eight team playoff. They would have the ability to play. You know, the number one seed, Bama, and if they're really for real, they give them a game, and maybe you know here or there they sneak up on it on an Alabama that may not but see them coming. 
chance. Yep, but absolutely. there's a chance. They're yeah. in the dance. You or, can never put them in a four. No, absolutely. You would never be able to. Or another team like a la Kentucky, if they if they won a couple of those games that they lost, right? And they were or right an LSU there. that was right yeah. there because they beat. You know, they killed Georgia. So. That's when that's when conference pedigree, and that's when you're playing. Even in the SEC, the worst team could beat the best team on, on any given day, aside from Alabama. That's when you put the conference pedigree in there and say, "All right." This team's clearly a lot better than UCF due to the fact that they're playing every single week. They got to wake up for right. And if UCF well, if you finishes, want to put UCF in there, put yeah. Them in there. And if UCF, you know, finishes with one or two losses, I'm sorry. Then you're probably going to put Georgia in, and then you're going to find the next best team, maybe a West Virginia, maybe an LSU. And I'm sorry if there's three SEC teams or three ACC teams, like when ACC had Clemson and Florida State both really good. Well, then you could say it's an then, at-large bid, right? And you pick the best three teams. Exactly. So I think that's the way Win you the have conference to, championship I, if you want to be you guaranteed. Have, remember the Big Twelve institute that because they felt like they were getting gypped from the BCS because well, they never worked for them. They never had an opportunity to years. get that last, you know, impressive win. And yeah, like you said, it just definitely worked. I mean, if Oklahoma's final game was that win in Morgantown, albeit a, a, an impressive win. Do you feel great about them? No. no. Ohio State. Probably Ohio. The if there's not a conference championship game, Ohio State. What they did to Michigan. That's gonna that's gonna hold up more, but mm-hmm. you saw what they did to to Northwestern, who's not great, and Texas is a far better opponent than Northwestern was, and Oklahoma handled them very easily. So you got to put them in, and I think they also want to see the star power of Kyler Murray against Tua Tagovailoa, which should be a shootout. I think Kyler Murray now is the favorite to win the Heisman, yep. and rightfully so off of what he's done and to I mean didn't really have a chance because he got hurt so. yeah and although and, Saban says it's not gonna impede him from playing in the yeah in the, he, he's in only four matchup yeah so. he's only gonna they they got the orange bowl uh and they're he said he's only gonna miss two weeks so they got plenty of time they got about a month but no I definitely think Kyler Murray should win I think they want to see that star power matchup of quarterback top t- quarterback first top quarterback I do think that Oklahoma will score some points because their offense is that good but I think this game I could see this game being like 65 to 58 or something yeah I think both offenses can just go because who on that Oklahoma defense is stopping the the Bama running and passing game and then when you look at the other matchup I don't think this game's even close I think Clemson just dispatches of, of Notre Dame on a neutral field because honestly that Clemson defense is returning everybody from last year they've got about five first rounders yeah. on that defense and then, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback they've had, you know, arguably just from a talent perspective. I know what Deshaun Ever. Watson did, but I mean, when you watch Trevor Lawrence, it's and you're just looking off skill set, it's not even close. So, does Notre Notre Dame doesn't have the ath- that's the thing. Like you look at aside from Ohio State, you don't have anybody in like the in the north that competes with the just the pure athleticism of a team like Clemson or a team like Alabama or a team like Georgia. Yeah. You just don't. Used to be Penn it's State so would, much, but not well, they anymore. They used to be able to beat you physically, but now because the athletes all go, you know, to get Dabo Sweeney or to Nick Saban or to Georgia. It, yeah, or to Kirby Smart. I mean, they're going to Urban Meyer too. And, and, you know, you do get some fast kids, you know, going to Oklahoma because they like to play that big time offense, but they're not playing defense in that league. So really is the talent, just the talent level, not to mention, I think Dabo Sweeney's a much better coach than Brian Kelly. I don't, I would be shocked if that's a 
anything less than a 15 to 17 point game at halftime. Yeah, I I think actually um, Oklahoma is a better team than Notre Dame. Yes. Yeah. Especially well, based off the quarterback, who the Oakland Athletics might be sweating right now because this guy may be second guessing whether or not he's going to go play baseball. Yeah, I do think he's too tiny to hold up in the NFL, but the guy throws the ball just like a dream. It's amazing. He's he fast as hell too, but. I mean, now, for me, I'm just glad we only have to talk about four teams. Because I'm not talking about, again, the Meineke car care. No, we're not going to do I don't care about any of that. No. Unless there's a great Rose Bowl or something yeah, like that. Yeah, if there's a great game, we'll, we'll comment, we'll, on, we'll it, comment on it. Exactly, I don't have to break down fucking Kentucky at Florida again. Thank no, and we, don't have to, and we don't have to break down any of these matchups because by now, everybody knows what Alabama is. Everybody knows what, uh, what all four of these teams are. Yeah. Especially when, you, like you said, you have two NFL teams in Clemson and Bama. And they have a chance for yet another matchup. Remember, they met in the semifinal last year, not the national championship. But this would still be four years in a row out of the five of the recently configured uh, college football playoff. I do think they have to expand it. I think eight will be coming. This is a perfect year for it because the way you asked the question, did they put the four best teams in? No. no. Georgia should be one of the Just top the four teams. Four most but they put the four most qualified. You're not going to put a two-loss non-conference champion over a one-loss conference champion. Yep. And that's as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. And then just to wrap things up, I definitely think that Kyler Murray took took hold of the Heisman vote. Yes, and you know what? That's awesome because he's such a great talent. It was fun to watch him. We think, you know, he's going to be a freaking baseball player. And he, what you do, putting your body at risk every week, going out there and, and playing the way he's played to get his team to a, to a college football playoff is something special, man. So he deserves it. He seems like a really great kid, too. I know the A's love him. I, I know um, – I know Oklahoma loves him, and and I Even still Texas think he's going to loves him. Yeah, he played there too. So <laughs> yep. So I think regardless of what he does, you know, he he's somebody that you actually feel good about winning the Heisman because he's a great kid. Yeah, not not to take anything away from Tua, but no, and, but and you he know didn't what? lose the Heisman. Kyler Murray won it because he got yeah, hurt. That's the thing. He got hurt, and and you know, I think national championship means next more, year. There's but. always next year for the kid. Um, all right, so let's move on to the NBA. Um, why don't we talk a little MVP in the early early on part of the season? Who do you think? Who do you think's the MVP of the NBA right now? I love Giannis. I Giannis? Think, yeah, I think what he's done for that Milwaukee team is he's taken yeah. his game to the next level. Um, I think he's absolutely incredible. Um, what he's done, and I think I think Kawhi's second there. Um, I know you love Kawhi, but I just think you know Milwaukee has taken that next step. They have the coach. That's obviously knows how to coach that team, but what Giannis has done is just he's absolutely unguardable. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you there. I think Kawhi is a relatively close second for me, just because of the fact that he's coming off whatever injury he had. He's carrying the uh, the Toronto Raptors to a their best record franchise wise ever. And I think it's, he's just showing how much better he is than DeMar DeRozan. Oh, yeah. And that team has completely changed, and I think it's due to him. And he's really reinvigorated Kyle Lowry. And the guy's doing things this year where he's not completely healthy, and you can still tell athletically he's not completely healthy. But he's shifty. He, he's got more post moves now. He's just moving on to that next period in his career. And I definitely think he's going to get a max contract at the end of this year. Just we'll see where. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it to Giannis at the beginning of the season as well. Um, so what are you thinking of the Eastern Conference, my friend? Well, I, I think Celtic know, Gordon Hayward had 30 two nights ago. I so. think they're starting to slowly figure it out. You know, as we've discussed, 
they have the luxury of playing in a conference that, you know, they don't have to worry too much about uh, um, anybody. Uh, you know, they'll work through the kinks. They really have to get Hayward acclimated. And even if it's the, at the expense of a couple of regular season There's losses. There's got to be a trade coming, too. I, I think mean, there been, is. I've been pounding the table for this thing for the last month. But I think Rogier. These guys just don't look comfortable taking back seats. And, and I can't blame them. When you got a guy like Terry Rozier who almost led a team to the NBA Finals at point guard or Marcus Smart or go up and down the roster, and I know they lost Jalen Brown for a little bit of time, but this team just, i hate it's crazy to say, but it has too much talent on it. Well, yeah, especially when that talent is, you know, it's not evened out because some of the guys, you know, who should be getting playing time are not because they're really trying to put Hayward back into the limelight. And those guys, those guys are the type of guys where they have to have a rhythm. They're not, they're not Dennis Johnson microwaves off the bench or, or whoever you want to compare, no. Jamal Crawford, whatever. Right. These guys have to have a rhythm and they have to play big time minutes to to do their job effectively, and they can't on this team. Especially because they're not veteran role players. They're young players who knew who, like you said, know they should be starting. I, I look at the East and I see a couple storylines. One, as we just talked about, you know, giving our MVPs, talking about Giannis and and Kawhi and what they've meant for. The Bucks and Raptors, respectively, obviously with different coaching too, I think has had a, a significant impact on how good they are. Wizards look like they're starting to figure it out a little bit. Maybe some of the tension has gone away. I thought there was too much talent for them to be that bad. I still wouldn't be shocked if they do something. Obviously, Jimmy Butler and what he's done with Philly has just made them, given them to that next level. They've surpassed Boston as of right now as yeah. that third best team in the conference. And then you know, after that, I got to say, I keep waiting for them to kind of go away, but they don't. The Orlando Magic are actually good. Yep, they, they are. are. really. They are actually really good. What are they, they, have some impre- what are they in seventh place right now? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, and they have some impressive wins, and they, you know, they don't give any. I saw them lose, I think, by three to Golden State. They beat the Lakers. They're a good team, man, and, and that's I, my team this year. Yeah, so. you you picked them. I thought you were out of your mind, but they are they the are talent a good team. Just sometimes got to win out, and and they had a new head coach in there, and I, I just thought that at some point, these guys that they're drafting in the lottery every year have to pan out. So that that was yeah, kind Jonathan of Isaac having a, having a year. Eric Gordon's been Aaron. Aaron Gordon, Gordon thank you, has been Although amazing. Aaron Gordon, there'll be games where he doesn't score any points, and I'm like, where the hell is he? But then there'll be games where he drops thirty. So. DJ Augustine's still playing in the league and he's still good playing effectively yeah in the league, he's still no, good nonetheless yeah. and Mo Bamba's having a great year as well for for rookie standards so I, they could sneak in as a 7-8 seed I, I they're wouldn't a big be surprised surprise to me Indiana's good we knew that Washington's out indefinitely with a knee injury that's which the, is tough. that's really tough but for that's them. a good team they have a really good base they'll still end up Sabonis in the playoffs is a real nice player yeah, they have man. some great that's complimentary trade, people their GM should get extended for that I think he I think he will I mean they've built a nice foundation there in Indiana so obviously you're looking at some of the very impressive teams some teams you're waiting to get figured out like Boston and, and Washington uh, you have that team on the come up that is the Orlando Magic, and then you know the Bucks and Raptors have taken that next step. How about over the West, man? What are you looking at out there? Lakers are really getting it together, uh, and LeBron start. Listen, we could we could be saying who do you think's the MVP in two months, and we could be saying LeBron. To be honest with you, um, the Golden State Warriors I think have probably gotten over that little feud that they had for ten seconds. Are we worried about them? Houston Rockets are starting to round into form, but I, I just don't think that they have the talent level, and, and CP3 is a little banged up there. Aside from that, the Jazz are still struggling. I believe they lost to the Heat a couple days ago, so I, I'm not sure about that one, but 
I mean, the West is wide open aside from the one seed. What do you think? Yeah, I'm looking at that. I mean, the, the Clippers are still very impressive. Tobias Harris has been amazing. That whole team, I mean, they don't have a superstar, but boy, do they blend in together well. I love Montrez Harrell is just, you know, he gives them an edge and a ferocity and intensity level that I don't think can be understated. No matter how many points he scores or rebounds he gets, what he does is is infectious on That's that team. That's why I like that kind of team where they're playing good defense and they're and they're all playing together with one closer like a Lou Williams type of guy. Like a, like a 2004 Detroit Pistons type team where they didn't have a superstar but Chauncey was their closer, Mr. Big Shot, whatever they called him, and they just played really hard defense and had a lot of talented players up and down the roster. But yeah, that that pretty much is the West for me. I mean, the Phoenix Suns suck. The uh, which is disappointing uh, to me because Luca just looks so good in Dallas. Oh my God, Luca! Luca is <laughs> he's incredible. awesome. He sat out and a he's so games fun to watch too. Yeah, because he, he doesn't like look as somebody who like athletically is gonna like deceive you. But what he does with the ball, he's a magician with the ball. Like I, yeah. I expected him to be great. You knew I was on board with him just like you were. I still think Aiton's going to be a great player, but we looked at him as being kind of raw. I think Bagley's going to be a great player too. Yep, he's going to Jackson in Memphis has been awesome. Yeah, no, he yeah. he's been really good. I mean, he had a game winner a couple days Memphis ago. And Memphis has looked great. Yeah, honestly. they they are a, they are a much they're kind of the magic Gasol, of the Western Conference. Gasol's to looking me. like a top three All NBA team type player he's right now. He's fitting in with that offense pretty well. Man. Yeah, that offense looks good. And Conley, I would ho- I really want that guy to make an All Star team before he retires because he's definitely deserving. He's so he's There's so, so many guards in the West. I know, and he's so consistent that you kind of forget about him because he doesn't do anything incredibly, but he's efficient. He makes everybody around him better. And he's just a every night just plays a good game. Yeah, and Marvin Bagley's been really good too. And you know who Marvin Bagley is to me? The more I watch him, um, his absolute tippy top of the ceiling is Carl Malone. Okay, a hey, stat listen. stuffer. He's always going to give you numbers, but you're not going to win with him. And I know MJ was in the league, and I know that's what held them back, but. When you talk Carl Malone, you don't really talk about a winner. You talk more about a guy that can just really fill the stat book. Yeah. And that's what I see Bagley as. Yep. And I think that, listen, if he has a career like Carl Malone, you you hope that you turn one of those great years into a title. But, well, that's a Hall of Fame type player. Right. And Fox has looked great as well. I, like, I really like Darren Fox. Buddy you Heels knew I figured loved it out. Him. Yep. Bagdanovich. That's, is that who's out there? What yeah. Are, yeah. Yep. Bagd- one of those guys with those crazy last names. Not the former Net, the other one. I think that's basically the same name. That's Barnyanovich, right? I think. No. Well, both they both have the same name. It, it was. Uh, it was Bojan Bogdanovich and Bojan Boganovich or something. It's like the same name. But, yeah, it's he's really good. And, and, honestly, I look at Memphis and Sacramento as kind of like what the – what the magic are out east, like in the east, like they're they're teams that have too much talent to just suck. You know, they've got to win some games when you have a De'Aaron Fox, a Buddy Heald, a Martin Bagley. So, I, I think that Willie Colley Stein looks pretty good. Yeah, too. I mean, there's a lot of talent. Um, the Wolves are looking a little bit better without the toxicity that of uh, Jimmy Butler, but they they're still trying to get their stuff together. Golden State's going through the motions. They just got Curry back. Uh, I think they'll be more than fine. Like yeah. you said, the Lakers are starting to kick it into gear. The Jazz are, are starting to get a little bit better um, with Donovan Mitchell back after missing some time. So overall, the West is as deep as we thought it would be. Yeah, there's just no, aside from the Warriors, there's no Houston Rockets where it's like, oh my God, it's the top no, two. No, and much like Boston, obviously, to a lesser extent, because they still have a really good record, especially coming out of the gate as hot as they did. But you know, the Warriors have been 
not a great team for the last month, but they can figure it out. They know where they're going to be. And even if they are not the number one seed, if somehow, some way they they don't get the number one, they're fine. I'm not worried they're about it. Never, you Curry's never out. About KD's getting 40. KD's having an off night. Clay's getting 40. It doesn't really matter. So. Yeah. And, and I think they, you know, they had their, they had their drama. They got it out of the way. Whatever, you know, clearing of air had to happen, it happened. And now they're just ready to put it behind them. And for Whatever happens after this year is what it is, but they're just focused on winning the title. And Steve Kerr, I think, you know, when people ask, oh, well, how great of a coach is he really with that talent? I think times like this you see how good of a coach he is because he does bring everybody together. You can tell that too. If only he could have been the Knicks coach. Should have been. Yeah, right. Thanks, Phil. Um, All right, so let's move on. Speaking of the Knicks to the Knicks and the Nets. From the Knicks' perspective, Kevin Knox had a career, a very young career, but a career night nonetheless coming off that ankle injury. 26 points, he was banging the three, which is great because he can put the ball on the floor. That'll create a little space for him. The Knicks continue to stay in games, and I'm really happy with that. Hazonia dunking on um, Giannis. Giannis, and the Knicks won. They won in overtime. They, that's they a figured big, out a way that's to win. a great win, man. That's a great win. Manuel Moutier's stock is trending up right now. Um and they have a couple of trade pieces that I really like. So that's a great win. They that's can get a couple first round picks for a guy like Tim Hardaway. A, 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 for, not a couple, one first round pick for him. I was just gonna for, say, don't get greedy. Pick for Cantor and an expiring, and then something for Moutier. I'd be really excited about this because I really don't think Moutier's success is sustainable. No, all those guys are are assets, and they should fetch you something because they're valuable pieces that winning teams could use, whether it be for depth or to clog up for an injury. Um, yeah, and I thought that win on Saturday was incredible, man. That's a game last year that they lose by 35. And, you know, to have that dunk over Giannis um, for Hazonia. And then on top of that, too, like, you know, learning how to close out games winning. And that's a very important skill to acquire because, as we've said time and time again, they're bad enough where they'll lose their share of games. But win those tough games, especially at home where you have the crowd behind you. Because, You'll, you're going to be in fine position to get to to get a top pick. Don't worry about it. But win, enjoy some of these wins. And it is fun to see your team win. And and transition over to the Nets. I said that they were looking like they were going to free fall. They absolutely have. They've now lost six in a row. They miss Levert big time. They, they dude. I'm telling you one thing. They miss him so much because there have been so many games. I was watching the Memphis game on Friday night. Um, and they were up by, I think it was six with a minute and 45 left, and they ended up going to two overtimes. Dinwiddie and Russell both played great, but they didn't oh, have... Oh, I was watching that game. They I didn't, was texting you about yeah, that, Yeah, right? they didn't have the third guy, especially the best playmaker of all three, especially when it comes to taking guys off the dribble and and, and doing basically whatever he wants. Um, and they missed that defensive component too because, you know, Hollis Jefferson can't make his own shot. Alan Crabb can't make his own shot. Joe Harris was out, and that was a devastating loss. They had that game in the bag. They've had a couple, starting with that Clipper game, so uh, the Wolves game. So well, they show their youth too because Hollis Jefferson had a few egregious fouls in that game alone. And, so. he, and you know what? The I, I texted this to you, and I still love Atkinson. I think he's the right man for the job. And again, you know, I would have liked to see where they could be with Lavert out. You know, for people around the NBA who might be thinking I'm talking up Lavert too much. Listen, the guy's a really good player. He's not on that top level. I'm not trying to pretend that he is, but he is the best player on the Nets. And any team that loses their best player is going to struggle. You know, no matter how deep or good the team is. Um, so you know, losing that, I but. 
they got to close these games. You know, Atkinson's now in his third year. Hollis Jefferson's in his third year. You've got Russell. You've got Dinwiddie, who have, who played a lot of close games of late or in the last few years because the Nets have, have been in a lot of games that they've ended up losing. And you've got to close out these games, man. That's a game you have to win. And I don't care, you know, especially that Sixers game comes to mind. I know the Sixers are a better team than the Nets. But when you're up 20 in the half and then you're up, you know, over 10 heading into the fourth quarter, you've got to win those games. You know, you see the Knicks are starting to kind of get a feel for how to win late, and it seems like the Nets have not taken that next step, even without Levert, and it's been very frustrating as a fan because they were right in the thick of it. Now they're 8-16 and 16 and trending towards another 23-win season. Well, at least you got a lottery pick this year. Yeah, no, they, they do, so I can look forward to that. And they have some assets, you know, with Damari Carroll, and Alan Crabb, although I think that contract's going to be very hard to move. Um, they're, they're coming up on a, a deadline day uh, on Saturday. They have to decide whether they want to offer Spencer Dinwiddie an extension for $47 million for four years or if they want to let him become an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. I personally would like to see them re-sign him. But uh, we'll see what Sean I Marks. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, in, in a couple of days. So That'll really tell you whether or not they want Russell. Yeah, absolutely. So or I guess they, we'll find or out this Saturday. Or if they Saturday. feel, you know, how many, how attract, how how much opportunity they're going to have to a- attract a guy like a Kawhi or a Kyrie. But either way, you know, we're going to go through another winter of bad basketball. We just hope we can be entertained because the results won't be. I'm where definitely we being more be. entertained than I have been in the past. You have and they to don't be. even have Porzingis, so yeah, you know, he's you know, good things are to come. Yes, absolutely. Just a quick note on college basketball. The new AP Top 25 came out today. Michigan has come all the way into the top five after an 8-0 and impressive start. Yes, they beat North Carolina. That game was more of a North Carolina loss. What the fuck was Roy Williams doing? I have no idea why 7th Woods and the other young player that they have wasn't playing. You're not going to win a game when Luke May, you're relying on him to win hey, That's a games. national player of the year person right there. He's in the co- he, stop it. I he's know. in the conversation, <laughs> but he shouldn't be. And this team doesn't. North, North I had Carolina. I just get you to bite on that. North man. Carolina just stands out there like it's a pickup basketball game. Nobody's setting screens. It's incredibly stagnant. And North Carolina lost that game. I don't know if Michigan's for real, but they're playing ferocious defense, and that's not really what they've been known for. So they've had some very impressive wins because we do expect Villanova to be a very strong team come tournament time. UNC will be a strong team come tournament time. And they are just handling business, man. Like you said, defensively, they're great. They're the best team in the Big Ten right now, amazingly. They're better than Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State. Who lost to Louisville yeah, they're, in they're that overtime like game in the year. ACC Big Ten t- uh, uh, tournament. Duke got right back on track, as we knew they would. They stomped Indiana at Cameron Indoor. Indiana never had a chance, uh, in my opinion, uh, to win that game. We're talking about, of course, the Big Ten ACC Challenge, which yep. happens at the beginning of every year right before Jimmy V Week. So. Yeah, yep. the Jimmy V Week starts this week. Yep. Um, so that was, you know, they you know, they trade off home, uh, home courts there. So some ACC teams go to Big Ten games. So you saw like a, a Michigan State went to Louisville, and then you know Indiana comes to comes to Duke, and and everybody in between. Uh, Nevada is still undefeated. They beat Loyola Chicago last week in a very impressive way. That's a good win for them. Gonzaga is still at one. Kansas avoided a scare on Saturday, but they won. They're six and zero. Tennessee six and one, Auburn six and one, Kentucky seven and one, and Michigan State six and two after that loss. Uh, rounding out the top rounding 10. out the top ten, you know they lost to to Louisville uh, 
in Kentucky by uh, by a score of four. Michigan, I would be nervous if I was Michigan State. I don't think they have the talent this year. They don't have a Jaron Jackson. They don't have a Miles Bridges. They don't have any lottery guys, really, and the fact that you already have two losses before before uh, conference play starts, that would make me nervous if I was a Michigan State fan. Very fair. And just to throw a quick nugget in here, Furman, yes, Furman, who beat Villanova earlier in the year, is now into the top 25 for the first time in school history at 8-0. Shout out to them. That's pretty impressive. Good for that them. That is pretty impressive. And those smaller programs, those mid-majors, I guess you would like to call them, get a lot of graduate transfers from bigger schools. So they're probably a senior-heavy team, if I were to guess, and they probably have a lot of veterans. Look for them come tournament time, man. be interesting to see if they can get in their tournament time and beat a team like Duke in the first round, a one versus a... a well, I don't think... If they if they hover in the top 25, they're... they're if they handle conference play, that, that's, yeah, that's going to be a six or seven seed. Another notable thing, just to go over college basketball, before we really get deep into it, because conference play hasn't even started yet, so we're really not diving in that deep yet. There have been St. Some John's. Very good games. Yeah, St. John's, John's six and oh. Chris Mullen looks like he actually has a pulse in these two guards, man. They're a lot of fun They're to so watch. They're so good. One of the best backcourts, if not the best backcourt in the country. They got a couple notable wins as well, v- VCU probably being their best so far. but yeah, VCU's a good team. Yeah, they, they probably have two of the better guards in the country, so they'll be a fun team to watch come actual Big East play. Um, yeah, but- and, and UConn uh, just lost to Arizona by four yesterday. UConn looks good. Uh, you know, that's a tough game to lose, but you know what? They turned the ball over like crazy. They didn't shoot well from the free throw line or from three, and they still lost by four. Danny Hurley has that team playing really well, and, you know, that's a game last year they would have lost by 20. Um, so it was encouraging to watch, you know, to see that program turn around. Everybody on here knows I'm a, I'm a UConn fan, so it'll be good to see what they do come tournament play, but they, they've still got to play Florida State and Villanova prior to conference play. Um, so, you know, you have a lot to look forward to with St. John's. I got something to look forward to with UConn. So despite our NBA teams, it looks like we'll at least see some victories from our college teams we'd like to see. One can um, only hope. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. Guys, we've been saving baseball for last. You know that we love baseball. Uh, you know that it's one of our passions. It's the thing that we agree on, you know, f- as far as allegiance is concerned. But it is the winter. Now, next week, the winter meetings start. We'll probably lead it's with the only the- thing we agree on, actually. Yeah, that's because right. I'm a Clemson fan and you're an Alabama fan. So you're such I just came out, guys. I'm a fraud. I hate you so I'm, much. I'm you're just bad, kidding. You're a bad guy. No, you're not. And I know that. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to go into baseball right now. There were some big moves that were made this week, most notably former Yankee Robinson Cano in the most recent Seattle fire sale after trading Paxton of the Yankees. We speculated it's last actually week. actually not the most recent, and we'll talk about that oh. after. Right. Because they yeah, actually they made another to, move. Yeah. But, yes, this this is an interesting move for the Mets, and their new GM seems to be making way. So so let's look at this from the Mets' side first before going to the Mariners. Do you like this move for the Mets? We speculated this could have been a Yankee move seven days ago. And I'm glad it quick. wasn't a Yankee move, but I really do like it for the Mets. They gave up Jay Bruce, a reliever whose name deceives me, and two of their top ten prospects. Anthony Swarzak, and that was part of a salary you know, mix. And they only gave up, I think, the number what, three and number five prospect in their system? That's a steal. Their first round pick from last year or from this year. Yeah. Kalinic. Absolutely. And they get Edwin Diaz is his name. That was the, that was what made this trade happen. Yeah. Um, that guy was the best closer in baseball last year. He had 57 saves tying the second most all time. He's electric. Um, he's young. I think last year was his first year as being a closer. Yep. Now listen, 
closers are it's a, it's a very volatile market i will say that for closers they're they're the most up and down position in baseball unless you're talking about a trevor hoffman or a mariano rivera you could see a guy like K Rod, who was consistent for time, or Fra- yeah, Francisco Kimbrell and Chapman have been probably the most recent of guys who Kenley Jansen as yeah, well, who have been closers for a while. But you'll see guys. I mean, you can go up and down the league. the The sinker baller that's on Baltimore, uh, Jim Johnson, was yeah, great yeah. for a year. I could go up and down the list of these guys where you're like, this guy's going to be a great closer for ten years, and then the next year he's pitching the seventh inning for 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 the Tampa Bay Rays. Because they just fall off like that, right? But I, I don't think, think this guy's he's that guy. I, I think this guy's nasty. He's got some really good stuff. Great shutdown slider, and I think Throws he pitches. 100. I think he pitches in the high nineties consistently. So he's a guy for the Mets. Unlike Jerry's Familia, who gave up a lot of games, and, and they they lost him for pennies on the dollar, unfortunately. But this is a guy that'll be on the Mets for a long time, and the Mets fans should be excited about this. That was perfect. I don't have any arguments there. Now let's look at Cano. He still owed five years on that deal, but who cares? The Mets have money to spend, and they got rid of a guy who didn't want to play there in Jay Bruce. Yeah, they've had money to spend. It's a question of whether they like to spend it. Well, it looks like they're they're starting to open up the purse a little bit, I guess you would say. And they knew they probably weren't going to be able to lure anybody in in free agency, so they just went out and made this well, move. Well, they wouldn't be able to afford those guys. So what, so what do you think about the Cano move? I, I like it. I think he's going to be a productive player for the next two to three years. I think this, you know, you were able to offset some of the salary by dumping Bruce and Swarzak. You know, that helped. It, it hurt giving up clinic I don't think you would have had to if you weren't going to get Diaz um they didn't have he's so far away but that's the thing yep but also you know to me and we've talked about this you know especially when we talked about the Paxton trade prospects are prospects man they're they're assets they're commodities Robinson Cano is still a really good player he hit over 300 when he came back from his suspension he's going to be your second baseman you know, you dump Wilmer Flores, you non-tender Wilmer Flores. When uh, McNeil, who they did not have to give up in the trade, one of their favorite second basemen, is ready um, in probably a year. Cano can slide over to first. Um, they also have Peter Alonso at first. The only thing that scares me about this deal for the Mets is there's no DH in the National League. So maybe Cano moves over and play third a little bit. You're going to have a vacancy at third base once Todd Frazier's out. And I'm sure if Frazier's not producing, they could slide Cano over there. Or maybe you open it up and put McNeil at third and Cano keep it second. He's still a plus second baseman. And then you bring up Peter Alonso. They weren't able, they didn't have to trade some of their closest major league talent yet, which was really good. Listen, it, this the back end of this deal might really hurt you, but you have a chance to get still a really good player in this league. He's actually a legitimate threat. He's going to lengthen this lineup. It's a good get for the Mets. But what made this deal was Edwin Diaz. You're getting a top-tier closer with four years left of the team best control, in baseball last making year. nothing, who's going to fortify a bullpen. And listen, you just got the National League Cy Young winner who – couldn't win games because the bullpen and offense couldn't score. Bullpen, bullpen blew games and offense couldn't score. Now you just got Robinson Cano who's going to hit with his eyes closed and you hope Cespedes comes back. You you hope Frazier has a nice, you know, at least hit some home runs. You hope Mc, that McNeil, Rosario takes a yep. massive step forward. You need Rosario to come back. You hope you that Alonzo or McNeil plays. You got Brandon Nimmo. Conforto. Conforto as Conforto, well. Conforto who played like um, like an all-star two years ago, and then last year he took a little bit of a step back. You're hoping for two years ago more, even better than that. And Nimmo was a player last year. And Nimmo year. was a really good player. So listen, you're you're you got to be excited about the offense score you runs. And now you have an elite 
elite shutdown reliever to finish off games for your hopefully your dynamic starting pitching. There's rumors that they might trade Syndergaard, maybe try to get another starter who's close. Uh, you know, in AAA that you can develop. Wheeler took a big step forward last year. He was solid. So you'll see what happens. On top of that, too. You have Steven Matz where if the guy can stay healthy, he can he'll stay give you healthy, six innings. He's still good. So you've got Vargas, you know, who can't be worse than what he was last year. This I don't is, think that, I think move. this move says that they're not trading Syndergaard. I, see, I think it says that they are because I think they want to replenish some of these chips that they just gave up. And okay. I, th- I and I've heard, you know, there's rumors that they're not totally in love with Syndergaard, and they could still get a lot for him. And I could see a team like the Padres, you know, throwing in some of their abundance of minor league talent. Aside for from him. Tatis Jr., I yeah, think they're willing to trade. Their top anybody. two guys are off limits, including Tatis Jr. After that, I think that the conversation's open. I saw a report that the Mets have also been talking to the Indians about Corey Kluber. Kluber. Yep. If they could somehow find a way to to get those assets from in a Syndergaard trade and use those to get a Kluber, that would be insane. I really like what the Mets are doing. Listen, Kalinic could be a great player, but he's years away anyway. It, prospects are prospects. How many times have we seen the Mets talk about prospects and it never works out for them? Also, too, you know, for people who are like, oh, why did we get the closer? We should have, you know, signed. The Mets don't sign top free agents who are looking. David Robertson is out of their price range. Zach Britton's out of their price range. Craig Kimbrell's out of their price range. They can't afford those guys. You just got the best closer statistically of the in the American League and all of Major League Baseball last year for nothing. So, other than prospects who might not pan out. And Jay Bruce, you got rid of him. Swarzak, you got rid of him. Thanks for the years of service. Goodbye. Great move, I think, for the Mets. For the Mariners, this is incredible what they're doing. And, and as you alluded to, they just traded Gene Segura, who was rumored to maybe be a Yankee. He went to the Philadelphia Phillies today. The Phillies were able to offload Carlos Santana, who they signed last year to a three-year deal. He's got two years and $47 million left on his deal. So the Mariners were able to acquire that. They might use him as a trade chip. Um, Because I think anybody that's making money, next on the list is Mike Leak, the starting pitcher. And then also Kyle Seager, they've talked about moving as well. They're trying to just get as much young talent and dead salary as possible so they can just turn it around. Remember, every move now, win now move that they've made in the last few years was not made by this current GM. Yep. It's they went you for see it this, this year. With, you see this every every few years with teams. They traded Colome too to Chicago White Sox. So yeah, and you everybody with, with value is gone. You you look at it every few years. A team will go a, a random team that's not a big market team will go all out. You saw it with the San Diego Padres a couple years ago. They got Hosmer. They got Kemp. This, well, Hosmer, this is just his first and they got, year. Yeah. Well, sorry, they got Kimbrell as well. You saw it with the Miami Marlins a few years ago. They went out and got Jose Reyes and a bunch of other players, and it never seems to work out. It, it really doesn't. The, when you sign, like, five free agents or you make a bunch of trades, I mean, even the Red Sox, it never seems to work out. It's usually you build up from within, and then you sign one to maybe two free agents. Yeah. The only time I really remember the Yankees getting a, a couple big free agents and it working was 2009. 2009. Yep. That shit doesn't – but also they had a huge core with A-Rod, Jeter, Cano. Yep. So you don't really see it working, but, I mean, good for the Mets. They took advantage see, of a team that's been down, uh, that's desperate to get prospects and replenish their system. And hopefully good for the Yankees when you look at this Gene Segura go, probably going over to the Phillies to play shortstop. I was just going to say, so do you think that this eliminates them from the Manny Machado market or maybe they no. try to move him to third? I, I don't think it completely eliminates them at all. I think the Phillies are really going for it. And I think the Mets and the Phillies both see this, and the Nationals both see this division as wide open. 
Some people may say that the Atlanta Braves were one year, a few years too early, and it was kind of a fluke, and maybe they won't be as good next year, and that they feel that the NL East will be wide open. I still think they're going to be in on the Machado thing, but I think Machado's value just went down. Yeah, I think, I think the so. price tag for Machado just went down. I think so too. I think it hurts them. I think it hurts him a little bit. Uh, I think he's going to play himself. This this it feels weird the way people are talking about Harper and Machado this year. I feel like you know this could be like they might have to settle. Like I I think Harper's going back to DC. Yeah, me too. And I think that Machado, if he's not a Philly, he's a Yankee. And I think the Yankees will give him five years and two hundred million, and not I think, a year would, more. I think it would take three hundred for five. But that that's the thing. You, you don't worry about the money. You just worry about the commitment. Yeah. And if, going just going back to the Mets for a quick second. For the Mets fans that are upset about this move, I'm sorry, but what do you want them to do? You're just a you're just an annoyed Mets fan and you know you're not happy when they don't make moves and you're not happy when they make moves because you've got you know just PTSD from every move not working out and listen this was a move you can see that this new GM is the anti Sandy Alderson already he's being innovative he's a former agent we wondered how that was going to work out it looks like he knows the premium, especially if he's talking about trading Syndergaard. Syndergaard was a former cli- is was a former client of his, so he knows him well. If he's talking about moving him, he might know something that other people don't. Mm-hmm. Try to get you know him while his value's at the highest. He's being innovative, and, and this was a move. You know, like you said, he took advantage of a team that's on a fire sale, and to get Edwin Diaz and get a bat that's going to consistently produce for you, lengthen a lineup. I think this was great, and you got rid of dead money and Jay Bruce and Anthony Swarzak. So what yeah. more do you want? You know, you've only got Todd Frazier for one more year. If he doesn't play well, you can just sit him, and you know maybe. And you've got you you were able to make this move without giving up Peter Alonso or McNeil, two of the top players that you're excited about. So. I don't see how this What's is a bad. To complain about? Yeah, I don't literally. see how this is. And you know what? If Cano sucks in 2020 and 2021 and 2022, and he's dead money, you hope that he helped you contribute to to a couple really good years. You Maybe, almost said World Series there. They might. I mean, the starting pitching. Yeah. At, well, we'll see. They might. They might not. They might not like the market for Syndergaard. He might stay on the team and have a great year. The talent's be. obviously there. It's just the off the field antics. Yeah, I mean they need a catcher still for sure, and they still need to get some arms in the pen. But well, I think JT Romuto is definitely available as well, well as a few other catchers, Gary Sanchez. But no, 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 <laughs> not catch. <laughs> I mean, shot listen, that down real fast. Yeah, absolutely. I was just joking about that to give you a quick segue, a little alley oop there. But Cashman did shut that down just to move on to that. Um, I'm glad about that because I don't think you're going to get equal value. Listen, I love JT Real Muto, and if this was any other situation, but why would you trade Gary Sanchez now? Like, his value's not nearly as high. And listen, I still think that they they love them, some Gary Sanchez. And if Gary Sanchez can come back, remember he had that shoulder ailment in his non-throwing shoulder that contributed, I think, to a lot. He wasn't healthy, and he was underperforming. Sometimes that happens. If you sold low on a guy like that, who finished second in the rookie of the year two years ago by playing two months and then hit 37 bombs and over 100 RBIs last year, he's got a great arm. You hope he can rebound. This is not a time to get rid of a guy like that. And Real Muto is going to cost a lot. It would take Sanchez and probably more. I don't. I'm not ready to do that. Keep your keep your not top when young Sanchez. Catcher. Not when Sanchez's ceiling is five stories higher than Real Muto. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I San, that's the right move. I didn't want to hear anything about pure that. talent wise. Sanchez could be by far the best catcher in baseball. Oh, big time. We've seen. 
plenty of flashes of it. And and you know what? If he has a bad year, he's got he's got a rebound. And, and then you know, Sanchez is one of the only guys that I can honestly say from the catcher position in baseball that if you were to move him to another position, he'd be a plus player. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, especially if you put him Offensively. at first. Yeah, he's. If you put him at first, he's still going to make All Star teams. He's still going to be in the MVP conversation. He's still going to produce like your superstar first base, like your Goldschmidt, yeah. like these other guys. The average probably won't be as high, but he's going to be right there this for was, that. Other th- catchers, I mean, come on. You look back, you throw Yadier Molina at, at another position, he's not He's not the same guy. Everybody except for, I would say, probably Buster Posey, they're, they're just another yeah, Mike, guy. Yeah, Mike Piazza. Yep. Well, yeah, if you want to yeah. look further back. Right. yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and two is... You know, he had a down year. This was only his third, second full season in the major leagues, and so much was expected of him off of 16. He had a great 17, and now he had a down year. You hope that you, you know, the Yankees' confidence in him uh, manifests in a long stretch. I'm sure there were times when they were talking about trading Posada, and I, I think a lot of people, Yankee fans, are happy they never did that. So don't do anything crazy like that. Patrick Corbin was in the Bronx last week after a trip to Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. The Yankees pulled out all stops for him. Aaron Boone was there. Cashman, you know, gave him the whole tour and put his picture up on the scoreboard in pinstripes. And they said they expect a, a decision soon. I mean, I, I I think it's it's in the Yankees' hands right now. I think Patrick Corbin, you know, it might take six years, but you're you're banking on upside and, and continued success and building off of what he did last year in Arizona because he's shown flashes for a few years of how good he is. Last year was his best year, and he's only 29. Show him the money. That's it. Who yeah. cares about the scoreboard? Who cares about the, all the cute stuff? I know you got to do it just like a recruitment trip, but yep. show him the money. Yeah, and I, and I, I I believe that they will. I think the I think the Phillies could show him just as much, but I think the Yankees, you know, they they are trying to use that Yankee lore of and say you're yeah, gonna well, be a, you're gonna be a we're gonna pay you just as much as the Phillies, and we're gonna sh- we're gonna put you in pinstripes where you wanted to be when you were ten. Yeah, it's just like Machado. If everything's all the same when it comes to the Phillies and the Yankees, it just goes on. Would you rather be a Philly or would you rather be a Yankee. Yep, and, and I think that question usually is is the Yankees. We have seen it with unless Cliff, you're Cliff, Cliff Lee. Lee. Yep, <laughs> that was not the case. But yeah, man, I, I think that you know we a week from today uh, the winter meetings begin, and there's supposed to be a lot more activity before then. Some of the top guys like Patrick Corbin, Jay Happ, have said that they want to sign early. Uh, before the winter meetings, and I know some of the teams, especially teams like the Yankees and Phillies, who are planning to do How a do lot. How do we feel about Jay Happ? I mean, I like them both. Would do you think the Yankees are going to sign Jay Happ? Yes or no? I think if they sign Patrick Corbin, unless the price tag is perfect, I think they move on. Mm-hmm. I think then they start to look at, you know, maybe a guy like. I don't know. Maybe try to try to go on to maybe like a Lance Lynn, just another back end guy who's not going to cost as much. You know, you still have depth in that rotation. I would like to see them personally empty the bank and go get Hap and and Corbin. But then remember, you've got to spend money on. Cashman said he wants two top end relievers. You'd like Robertson back. He's seeking a four year deal or three year deal rather. You want Britton, who's seeking a four, and then you've got. You know, you're going to have Andrew Miller, who's also the Yankees are said to be very interested in again as well. So, two of those three, I think they have to get. If they if they get Corbin and don't sign Hap, you've got a rotation of Severino, Tanaka, Corbin, Paxton, and Sabathia. Not necessarily in that order. That's really good. Can't with hate some that. Good, with some good depth, and then you want to because you know the Yankees love them a super bullpen. They've been 
basically trying to do that since 16 when they got uh when they got Chapman so they'd like two more top end arms I think Robertson you know he's playing this role with going to Boston because he's got the place in uh in Rhode Island I still think his heart's with the Yankees and the Yankees will get it done and then you've got you know, one of the lefties. I, I would like Britain back. I don't think the Yankees saw the best Zach Britton last year. He was working off that Achilles. His, he was a little erratic. I think being fully healthy, having a full spring training under his belt, he'd be great. And if he's too expensive, I know he's been hurt as of late, but Andrew Miller on a two-year deal, three-year deal, I, I can't hate. He's already shown that he's he's a big-time performer both in New York and, and overall. So, there, there's a lot to be done, and of course, then you've got the dominoes of Manny Machado and and Bryce, Bryce Harper. Harper. Yep, I don't think the Yankees are going to go anywhere near Bryce Harper, but Machado is definitely more realistic. But hey, you never know. The Yankees said they weren't going to sign Mark Teixeira, and then the next thing you know, yeah. And last year at this time, there was not a shot in hell that I thought that Giancarlo Stanton was going to be on the Yankees. Yeah. So. so and then what? Twenty days later, he was. So. Yep. All right, so that that pretty much wraps up the Monday rundown. We will be back on Wednesday going over the NFL. 0-4 of my picks this year, this week. So sperm bank still empty? Sperm bank is dusty at this point. <laughs> so thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you Wednesday.